I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Is the God you see in the Word the God you see in the world? No, huh? Well, I hope it is. Hope so, because I'm here to tell you His truth is plainly painted all over our planet because he carefully crafted this world himself with infinite evidence of his nature. And I'll tell you what, if he is that expressive and engaging with the world that he created, I personally expect, I almost demand to see the same display in the word that he authored. Because both are needed. Because both declare him. Because that's how he made them. Because he wants us to know him. Got that? This is what he did. So I'm telling you, it's got to be as good as creation here. And you ever notice how we feel closer to God on top of a mountain or staring at a sunset? Well, it's because he created nature to reveal himself. And it works, lo and behold. Whether we gaze through a telescope, peer through a microscope, or peek through a periscope, we will always see a consistent, coherent, and complete demonstration of his truth. Caveat. If we're paying attention. right? you got to look to see. And the same thing goes for his word, because we can read a devotional every day, do church every Sunday, and still miss what he's trying to say when we're not paying attention, just in one ear and out the other. And each half of the way that he communicates, each half says so much about the other. For example, if we didn't have his word, right, just it, it didn't exist, just look at what we could still learn about him from this world alone, all right? First off, we would know he's powerful, right? Oh, you know he's powerful. You see things that are just incredible here, but you also know he's gentle. He's gentle, he's sustaining, and he's generous. He's creative, that is for sure. And he's clever. Oh, he's so clever. And he is patient and meticulous. However, he's also humorous, right? <laughs> and he's surprising sometimes. And, you know, he, he can be totally simple, just simple. And at the exact same time, be incredibly complex, right? That's the God that we know. And above all, he is infinite. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what, from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Okay, you can see it out there but you got to apply it. This group that he's talking about right here, they didn't apply their experience with God in his word to God in their world. 
And when you do that, you only get half a picture. Or worse, we split him into two. You know, the God that we worship here at church and the one that we keep, you know, somewhere around our workplace or our school, right? He's lurking somewhere, kind of. And so, as James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says in the world. That's where we do stuff. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says in the world is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away into the world and immediately forgets what he looks like in the word. So true. And I'll tell you what, I sure don't want to forget what I saw in myself in the word just last week. Because we did that. We opened that book and I learned something about myself. And I was blown away by just how blind I can be and how important it is to never, ever trust my perspective over God's, which we just do without even thinking about it. Because I'll tell you what, I've struggled like everyone who's read the Bible. I've struggled with a lot of the Bible like anyone who's read the Bible. But I struggled with explaining Jesus' resurrection timeline personally as I'm trying to put things together and see the story. And I love what we did, you know, last week getting into that because, you know, there's this tricky part where it says, on the third day he's raised, right? He was raised on the third day. But spending three days and three nights in the heart of the earth even though the Son of Man must be killed and after three days rise again. Uh-oh, talk about a brick wall, right? That just, it didn't jive. Because anyone who stayed in a hotel knows that a three-day stay means two nights, right? That's how it goes, that's what you pay for. And I absolutely couldn't see a way around God's word getting it wrong, I mean, it just seems like he wrote it wrong. Until, until we just considered that Jesus went back into the heart of the earth. You know, like it says he did. And if you weren't here for it, I just go get a copy. It's, just, it's great. But we will we'll stop right there. But I'll tell you what, seeing that simple solution, that there was a simple solution that was always staring me right in the face, really affected me. Because it reminded and reinforced two crucial things that I should never forget. One, I'm occasionally really dense, right? And two, God's always real truth, right? He's only real truth. And seemingly miraculous, totally unseeable solutions will just fall into our lap when we refuse to settle for a God of imperfect answers and just trust in the Lord like he dares us to do. And I'll tell you what, here's the bonus. You know, last week we kind of went through that and it was just this amazing eye-opening experience of how scripture just reveals itself, how you get that solution when you just are patient and submissive. But do you realize that the very same principle solves life's impossible brick walls? It's so cool, everything works in both scenarios. The principle is transferable to any situation that you've come to the end of your understanding. Whether the wall is your career, or your marriage, or whatever it is, you gotta trust. You gotta trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. He's the one who does it. 
And I'll tell you what, here's the really embarrassing part about this. Like a lot of you, I'm sure, I should have already known this because I've learned this lesson in life over and over and over again. Like this one time, the power went out at my house. And so I grabbed a buddy and we drove into town to find like a coffee shop that would still had power so we could just wait it out. And so then when we turned on this street uh, that had an oncoming car, I noticed the headlights were on and I said, oh good, the power's back on. <laughs> and my friend just stared at me in disbelief. And I was like, what? You saw it too? Why are you being such a jerk? I didn't say anything bad. I was just pointing out that the headlights were on, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm an, I'm the idiot, I'm, I'm me. Okay, that was on me. And so as I had that moment of realizing how incredibly dense I can be, I fancy myself a smart guy, but I have those same moments where I am just incredibly dense. But if I could have just remembered that lesson that I learned in life, when I make my next nearsighted boneheaded mistake, whether in this world or in God's word, I know that I'd get to the solve a whole lot faster, but we just forget them. So here's the real moral of the story though here. One, I'm, I'm not very bright. Two, you gotta stop seeing your world and his word as separate journeys and start treating them as parallel dimensions of a single journey. Okay, they reflect each other. Because if we do, if we did that, if we really saw them concerted like that, we might not need to repeat every blind, dumb mistake that we make both in his word and this world. Right? You only maybe need to learn it once. But let's face it, there's a big hurdle. There is one big hurdle that trips us up in both that we just got to learn over and over again. And here it is. We would rather change the truth than ourselves. Even though we can hang ourselves with partial pictures, like the ones that we paint when we ignore scriptures that look a little crooked to our untrusting eyes. So if you're having a problem understanding anything, right? If there's something in your life that is lacking that you can't figure out, don't forget this cautionary scripture right here. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of the people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, okay? If you're part of that group, you're getting, that wrath is exposed right there. And I'll tell you what, he's got us there. That is kind of all of us. That is a human condition. Humans do restrain the truth. We are experts at it. We ignore it, we deny it, and or we bury it deep in our subconscious. If it is in any way whatsoever discomforting to the current way of life that we got, we like things the way they are. Because having a problem with God's word reveals the real problem is with ourselves, right? If you're having some difficulty there, it ain't the word, guys, it's us. But the more unattractive the truth is, the harder we will work to just look past it, ignore it, push it down. And God designed it that way on purpose because, well, he's God. But he did that to give us a real world test of our trust in his word, which begins when we just consider, just maybe consider that it's us and our worldly perspective that might be crooked and not his word. 
Because all the, all the universe is, the entire place, all the universe is, is evidence of who our creator is. And when you realize that, when you realize that, like those pictures, like everything here is declaring him. So you got to ask yourself, how does an infinite pile of evidence not get solved? Well, it seems obvious to me, if you got all the evidence, it's got to be a lack of detective work, right? Nobody's putting it together. Well, let's ask famed British philosopher, mathematician, and logician, Bertrand Russell, just this guy who, just look at him. You can tell he's smart, right? He, he sure wants you to think so. Just a renowned scholar, right? And so once he was asked what he would say if God appeared to him after his death and demanded to know why he had failed to believe. And he proudly replied without skipping a beat. Oh, I'd say, not enough evidence. God, not enough evidence. Are you kidding? Again, that's, that's your best super smart guy, doctor, modern philosophy, everything excuse. That's what you got. All the universe is, is evidence, guy. Thanks for all your brilliant insight, Bert, but his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. It's unmistakable if we're paying attention. It's being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse, Bert. I'm telling you, on Judgment Day, I didn't know isn't going to cut it. The only honest response that you got was going to be, I didn't want it. I was busy. I had something else I was chasing down. So we should never excuse our lack of effort by calling it God's lack of communication. Don't pass that buck. Our physical universe, boy, in our physical universe, we see a purposeful and powerful creator. It's obvious. In our intellectual pursuits, we see a meaningful and moral creator. And in every one of our emotional relationships, we can see a loyal and loving creator. If we're paying attention in his word, and in his world. And I'll tell you what, Bert, I'm picking on Bert because he's dead and he can't talk back. It's just as logical to believe in a creation with a creator as it is to believe in one without. In fact, believing that an infinite, ordered, life-sustaining creation has no God behind it requires a lot more faith to tackle each unanswered question than simply accepting the one obvious singular solution. You know, we work an awful lot to try and replace God there. I mean, it's tough. But I'll tell you, we are just hesitant. We're hesitant to give him credit because it means letting go of our man-made answers and subsequently releasing our authority to God. And if there's one thing that we do not want to do is give up that authority. That's when the fear sets in. That's when we're not in control. And we like being on that throne and in control and that's why we not only restrain the truth, but humans just outright reject the truth. Like Paul said earlier, they neither glorify him nor give him thanks. Right? You had nothing to do with it, God. Man's got it from here. But there it is, right there. 
for the most part in this world, we don't acknowledge or appreciate him. And you know what that feels like. Doesn't it hurt when you go out of your way to do something kind for someone and they don't express any gratitude? That's because love is meant to move in both directions. And every act of true love ought to be naturally followed by a loving reaction. Just ask your grandma. Just ask your grandma. No thank you call after Christmas really sends the message that you don't want her handmade sweaters anymore. And you'll be singing a different tune when winter rolls around again. But likewise, in the exact same way, we push God's gifts aside whenever we enter God's word and in any way reject what we need in search of what we want. And we do that all the time. It's that confirmation bias. We get into that word and we're looking for what we want to see, not what we need to see. You ever do that? You ever do that out here in the world? You want something really bad and there's an easy way to get it if you just overlook a little bit of what, what's right? Yeah, it's called stealing, guys. It's called stealing. And we've all done it. We still do it. Whether it's a cookie from the jar or a stereo from a car, it's stealing. And we've all learned the exact same life lesson usually covered in those cookie crumbs as an interrogation makes us sit there and burn with guilt and this is what we're feeling. Truth traumatizes sinners until they come clean. You know, you sit there and you just don't want it to be true, but the truth does that. It'll wear you down. It traumatizes sin until you come clean. Even though we work to train ourselves to believe that it's easier to live with a little lie than deal with that big total truth. Well, it just, it doesn't matter. Because every single one of us across all of time, we've all got that nagging God-given conscience that just can't let go of our natural sense of integrity and justice and morality. The best you can do is quiet it down, but he's always there. But do we ever do that with God's word? Do we ever restrain or reject its truth? I sure think so. I think we do. I think it happens a lot, and I think it happens whenever we overlook obvious answers that paint pictures that we don't like. And if you've opened your Bible, you'll see that it does that. It does that a lot. Things that you don't want to admit about yourself, but they are true. And we'll overlook those answers, even though that means we're calling God a liar rather than considering ourselves one. Can you feel the burn? I feel guilty just saying it. It's, it's, it's true. I know we do that. I know we don't turn our ears off to the things we don't want to hear. So whether in his word or our world, though, the first step to getting back on track has always been the same. Put God first, right? Acknowledge and appreciate and invite God to guide your understanding. That's how you get it right. You can't be afraid of that truth. You got to embrace it. Otherwise, not only will we restrain the truth and reject the truth, but we'll replace the truth, all right? Which is the most self-deceiving and self-destructive behavior of all. And again, we're experts at this one. Because look at us right now, right? We live in a world of avatars online and Snapchat filters that are purposed with one thing, to try and pass off a more pleasant personal reality because we, we know if we change what we know to be true 
into what we want to be true, well, we can deceive ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves into seeing ourselves as being as powerful as God himself. We can decide what truth is if we could accomplish that. We can't. We can't do it. We can only pretend to do it. And that is some stinking thinking, I'll tell you. And Paul warned us about that. He said, those who do it, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Well, don't think that we don't do that still. The worldly have always favored creation over the creator. It's just kind of our MO, that's what we do. And though this world makes idols of material wealth and selfish pleasure and prideful power, it's always been the same principle that drives us to try and replace the truth, fulfilling our fleshly desires. What we want out here in the world, we're willing to do anything for it. But I tell you what, when we change truth and then we try to live it out, wherever you are, in the world or in his word, that is a recipe for disaster. I think that's exactly right. I made this picture. It seems, I, I looked at it and I was like, is this too on the nose, too ridiculous? This is, I think, accurately what we do. We take things that are helpful and truthful and just because they are, we choose something stupid and painful for some reason to preserve our sense of being in charge, just to not agree with him. And we just keep doing it over and over again until our heart isn't threatened by real truth anymore. That's the big hurdle right there. So I want you to hear this, okay? I want you to take this with you this week. All right, creation displayed God's nature, but nailing him to a cross displayed ours. All right, that's who we are. That's who he's dealing with. And he gave us this world to build a vocabulary of experience and emotion that is then unpacked and understood by his word, right? We can go in there and make sense of it, but it has to go both ways because our time in the Bible builds more experience and emotion that then creation can help us comprehend and confirm it's awesome, it's bi-directional, and you see the big picture because his word and this world were both created to complement and complete each other, to paint for us one whole picture of who he is, who we are, and that relationship. But the bottom line is just this, guys. Either way, every time, half a picture ain't ever the whole truth, nor is it the holy truth, amen? Amen. Let's pray, guys. Father God, we love you, and we are this day committed to seeking your truth as we walk through this world and through your word. Holy Spirit, guide us to where we need to be so that we can see both our problems and your solutions. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for the price that you paid to enter your creation just so we could fully comprehend our creator. And everybody said, amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? 
If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.